The Productive Woman, Episode 449. Hello and welcome to this episode of The Productive Woman. My name is Laura McClellan and this is a podcast about productivity for busy women. My goal is to help you find the tools and encouragement you need to manage your time, life, stress, and stuff so you can accomplish the things you care about most and make a life that matters. Well, thank you so much for joining me. In this episode, we're talking about getting our digital life organized. You'll find more information and links to some resources I'll mention in the show notes for this episode at theproductivewoman.com slash 449. So last week, we talked about managing distractions in a digital age. And I got to thinking this week about the fact that among those distractions would be something called digital clutter, things like voluminous emails and text messages, messy computer desktops, open browsers, digital files and photos, and unused apps on our mobile devices and computers. One survey that I looked at concluded that the average American has about 83 bookmarked websites, seven tabs or browsers open, 582 saved cell phone photos, and at least 13 unused apps. And I would venture to say some of us have a lot more than that. I know for some of those things, I have a lot more than what the average might have. And digital clutter has its hazards, just like physical clutter, which we've talked about in the past. One article that I read summarized the hazards of digital clutter pretty well, saying digital clutter doesn't just take up physical space, except maybe at a data center in Las Vegas, but it takes up significant space in our heads. A cluttered environment gives the feeling that various things are competing for our attention, which can be mentally taxing and stressful. This makes it harder to focus and reflect, think creatively, and make important decisions. So digital clutter can affect us at work if we are, you know, the kind of people as I am who spend a lot of time in the digital world on computers And at home, if we have a lot of digital clutter in our home devices, our mobile devices, and so on. And we probably all have different issues when it comes to digital clutter. Maybe you're on top of email, but you can't find documents that you need on your computer. Or perhaps your digital photos are carefully curated and organized, but your computer desktop is a mess. It's different for all of us. What I thought I would do is talk about a few of the most common sources of digital clutter and share some thoughts that I found on how to get those areas organized. So I did a lot of research for this. I am not an expert in this area by any stretch. I struggle with digital clutter in some of these areas. My computer desktop is generally pretty clear because I can't function well if there's a lot of stuff on my desktop. But I struggle with email, as I've talked about before. So we all have different areas. I thought I'd talk about a few of them here. I did, as I said, a lot of research, did a lot of reading about these areas to get some good ideas for all of us to try. So the first one I thought I'd talk about is email organization, maybe because this is an area of struggle for me. And it's important to get our email organized 
According to one source that I read, the average professional receives over 120 emails each day. Another source noted a study that found that reading and responding to emails takes up to 28% of the average work week. While another article cited a study that found that the average American spends just over four hours a day on their email alone, which equates to more than 20 hours a week and more than a thousand hours every year. Are you one of those? I, I think that's about right for me because so much of my work as a real estate lawyer is done via email and I get more than 120 emails a day and spend a lot of time reading and responding to and sending emails. So it's a thing for a lot of us. And it's not just in the professional world. A lot of us get a lot of emails in our personal email accounts as well. There are consequences to poor email management We waste time looking for important messages that are buried in the mass of emails that we're getting, or we miss messages that we should have seen and responded to, but just didn't see it because there was so much coming in. So as I said, I did some research into uh, some tips for better email management, and there are a ton of articles. I've linked to several of them in the show notes for this episode. In case this is an area of struggle for you, you might want to check out some of these resources because there were a lot of good tips, and I'm just going to hit the highlights in this episode, but I encourage you to check out the other resources. So Across the board, the articles and sources that I looked at for dealing with emails recommended that we set up folders or labels for different types of emails, whether they're personal emails, work emails, bills that come in. A lot of us get email billing for various utilities and things like that. So setting up folders or labels to sort these things and have quick access to them is a big recommendation of pretty much every resource that I looked at. And this is something I've done for a long time. So in my work email, and we use Outlook for my law practice, that's what the firm provides and wants us to use. So in Outlook, I have a folder for each client with subfolders for each deal that I do for that client. So some of the clients I've done multiple deals for, and each deal has a subfolder under that client name and number. That's where I put all the emails related to that deal. Uh, I also have folders for non-billable work, like things regarding the state bar or different things like that that I do. And I also have a folder for things to read, and it's literally just called to read. And that's where I'll put newsletters that come in that I maybe I'm not going to read right away, but want to have access to when I have time to read them. I use an Outlook plugin called Simply File. Simply File can learn where emails go. I I think it scans the subject line, that sort of thing. And it does a really good job of kind of predicting where you're going to want to put a particular email. And I can file them quickly, both those emails that I receive and also those that I send. So when I send an email, it gives me the option to save it into the appropriate folder. So I highly recommend Simply File. I'll put a link to that in the show notes. They're not a sponsor or anything, but it's a really useful tool. 
I have a similar setup in my personal email accounts with folders and tags organized around the different areas of my life. So setting up a simple folder system for your emails may help you with getting it organized so that you can find what you need when you need it. Another recommendation of many of the experts that I consulted is to use features like flagging or starring important emails. It depends on which email provider you use, but most of them have an option to flag an email or star it or something to indicate that it's important. In Outlook, you can set it to add flagged emails as a task with a reminder that will pop up periodically. So that's kind of handy. A Gmail and Apple Mail both allow you to view all flagged or starred emails in a separate view. So when you're processing email, you can see all those that you've starred or flagged as important and deal with those all at once. One tip I would suggest is to remember to delete or at least unflag and file away in a folder those emails once you've tended to them so that they don't just continue to live in your inbox indefinitely. But the flagging or starring is just to uh, keep them in a place where you can find them quickly until you've dealt with them. Most of the resources I looked at recommend that we set up rules or filters to automatically sort incoming emails. And so in my outlook for work, I do have rules set up for certain emails from the state bar, for instance, automatically get filtered into a folder for the state bar emails. And I know where they're going to be and I can check them when I need to. Another way to help organize our email is to unsubscribe from all unnecessary newsletters and promotional emails. Most of those have, I think they're required to have somewhere at the bottom a place where you can click to unsubscribe. And I have been working on getting that done as emails come in that somehow found my inbox that I don't remember signing up for, or maybe I did at one point, but they're no longer relevant to me. I'm trying to quickly, you know, unsubscribe to those to reduce the number of emails that's coming into my email inbox. And finally, regularly archive or delete old emails. So for me, for my work, I save emails for specific client deals, client matters um, indefinitely, but the firm has a system where after a period of time, emails are archived, but I can still get at them. So I can't delete them because they are important history for the client, but I can get them archived so that they're not taking up as much space in my immediate inbox. So those are just some of the things. If your inbox is currently full of hundreds of old emails, you might want to allocate some time to cleaning that out. You can do a number of things to get that email inbox more organized. Start by sorting them by sender, and then you can bulk delete or archive all old emails, say delivery notices from Amazon or newsletters or promotional emails, any emails that are no longer relevant or meaningful, those can be deleted in bulk if you sort them by sender. And then once you've deleted the ones that you want to delete, you can put the others into applicable folders so that you've cleaned out your inbox and made it a little less overwhelming. 
if you really have a lot in there and you don't have time to sort of go through them and sort them and delete and, and file them, what I've done in the past in my personal email is created a folder that I call archive for, and the, the year. So for instance, archive 2021. And I simply move all the emails from that year out of my inbox into that archive folder. And they're there. When I have time, I can go through and delete and sort them out. But at least they're out of my inbox so that what's in my inbox is going to be relevant or new and, and ready for me to take care of. Another tip for getting your email organized is to learn to use the search function effectively. Every email provider has a search function. Learn how yours works and use it to find the emails that you want. And finally, I suggest establishing a routine for email management. So for instance, if you can, limit the number of times you check email each day. We've talked about this before. This isn't something I can necessarily do for my work email because so much of my work on specific client matters is dealt with via email. And if I've got a closing going on, I have to be watching email and responding quickly but if you are in a position to be able to limit the number of times you actually check your work email so that you are focusing on other work most of the day, but you have certain times of day when you check your email, uh, that can save you a lot of time and uh, distraction in dealing with email. Tim Ferriss in his book, The 4-Hour Workweek, suggests that we put up an auto reply during particularly busy times. And I thought this was a great idea. And so his, for instance, what he recommends in the book goes like this. Due to high workload, I am currently checking and responding to email twice daily at noon Eastern time or whatever your time zone is and 4 p.m. Eastern time. If you require urgent assistance, please ensure that it is urgent that cannot wait until either noon or 4 p.m., please contact me via phone at and, and the phone number. And I thought this was a great idea. If you're in a really busy work time where you can't be watching email all the time, but there's a potential that people are trying to reach you for something urgent, setting up this auto reply so that people who send you an email get this message and they know that if they, if they need a response right away, they can pick up the phone and call you. I really like that idea. So in addition to perhaps limiting the number of times you check email each day, if you can do that, set up specific times for reviewing your email inbox. And there are approaches to handling email during those times that you can follow. For instance, if an email can be responded to in, say, a minute or less, just respond right then and then delete or file the email. When you reply, I highly recommend that you change the subject line in your reply if necessary to make sure it reflects what your email is actually about. I get on email threads for work where somebody just, it's because it's easier to just reply to somebody else's email on a topic that's completely different from what the original email was about, it gets very confusing and you can't find what you're looking for. You can't find a response. You don't know what the email is about because, you know, somebody sent an email about one thing and people started responding to that email, but to talk about something different. So take, just 
two seconds and change the subject line so that your recipients know what that email is about when it hits their inbox. Uh, As you're reviewing your inbox during those times that you've set aside to do it, uh, as I said, if it can be responded to in a minute or less, do it right then. If it can't, maybe flag or star it if you need more time to respond and take a moment to immediately unsubscribe or delete or archive if and as applicable. Set up regular times daily to follow up on those flagged or starred emails or to check folders that you filtered things into. So I have, as I said, rules set up that automatically move things out of my inbox into other folders, but I need to have times established to check those folders, look at what's in there and and deal with it appropriately. And finally, have a regular time weekly to read and then delete any email newsletters and things that have been filed in that to read folder if you take that approach. The last thing that I do for emails is I use a tool. I, I use Text Expander, and you know, in fair fair disclosure, they are a longtime sponsor of this podcast. They're not sponsoring this particular episode, but I have used Text Expander for many years, long before they became a sponsor of the podcast. And I use it to create snippets of pre-drafted responses for frequently asked questions. So emails that I need to send a lot or respond to a lot, answers I need to give frequently, I've got those set up so that I can very quickly respond to an email without having to reinvent the wheel. Gmail has a similar functionality that you can create snippets for pre-drafted responses, and I encourage you to check that out. So those are some of the things that we can do in dealing with email and getting our email organized. Another area of digital clutter and digital stress, I guess, would be just file management. Uh, The documents and so on that are saved on our computer and other digital devices, mobile devices. And there are some things that we can do to get those files organized so that we can find what we need when we need it. And again, I did some reading about this and came up with some suggestions that kind of came across the board from the various sources that I looked at. The first one is to establish some naming conventions for files and folders on your computer, et cetera, so that you can easily locate them later. And there are any number of ways you can set this up. It needs to be something that's going to work for you, but be consistent about it. And so I, for instance, will date files that go into my computer folders. What I recommend is when when you're inserting a date into a file name, use the convention of year.month.date. And by year, I mean four-digit year, two-digit month, two-digit date. By doing that, files will sort chronologically, and that helps you sort them that way so you can see what's the most recent, what's the oldest, et cetera. That's especially important if you have multiple versions of the same kind of document. If you you want to name them consistently and date them using that four-digit year dot 
two digit month dot two digit date so that you can sort them chronologically. I actually have text expander snippets for dates in that format so that I don't have to even think of what the date is. I just type a couple of keystrokes and it inserts the, the actual current date in the format that I want it into that file name so that I can save it quickly and be on my way. One professional organizer who was quoted in an article that I found on Vox gives some recommendations and examples for creating consistent file and folder names. And she also likes to start with the date. So she puts the date at the beginning of the file name and she does it the same way that I just recommended, year, dot, month, dot, date. And then a few words about the file. So she says, say you're saving copies of your kids' report cards. You might use... Uh, the date in that format that we talked about, then your child's name and the semester or marking period in the date of the document. So that's an example, but be consistent about using that name format so that you can find things. They will sort chronologically or whichever way you want them sorted and it makes it easier to find them. So set up and use consistently naming conventions for those files and folders so that you can locate them easily later. The sources I looked at all recommend creating a logical hierarchy of folders to store files, and they all recommend keeping it very simple. One article suggests just creating some general buckets of documents that you'll frequently reference, like tax info, rental paperwork, or templates you often use for work, and perhaps store those folders on your desktop so that they're right there where you can get at them. The recommendation is always to ask yourself, how would you find information on your devices? How do you look for things? How does your mind work? Whether you prefer searching by date or a particular tag or just the general search function on your devices and set your files up accordingly. Across the board, the experts recommend that we regularly back up important files and photos to the cloud or to an external hard drive. I do a couple of um, backup approaches. I do have a hard drive, an external hard drive connected to my MacBook where I save copies of certain files for the productive woman, the audio files, the certain things like that are saved on my hard drive in the computer, but also copied over to this external hard drive so that I have two copies of it. And both of those are backed up to the cloud. I use Backblaze, but there are a number of resources for backing up what's on your computer. It's so important to do that. You can also use file syncing services to access important documents across your devices. So whether you choose Dropbox or Box or iCloud, Google Drive or OneDrive, one or more of those, I, I recommend that you kind of choose one and stick with that so you know where things are. But those allow you to access your important documents, whether from your computer, from your smartphone, from your tablet, wherever you might be. Uh, have one of those sources and have used the same conventions in terms of how you name the files and folders, the hierarchy of folders that you use, and so on. And then in terms of getting organized with all these files, schedule a few minutes a day or regular times, weekly or monthly or quarterly, whatever works best for you to maintain and clean up your files. 
On the Be More With Less blog, writer Tammy Strobel shares a checklist for digital decluttering, which she says she goes through once a week. And she explains it in the article, which again, I will link in the show notes for this episode. It would definitely be worth looking at if you want to set up a routine for keeping your digital files organized and cleaned up, so to speak. Uh, She explains each of these steps, but the steps she goes through each week are, first of all, to delete mindfully, second, to create and manage secure passwords, then she closes unused accounts, then she'll unsubscribe from mailing lists that are no longer relevant or important to her, she will archive or delete emails, then she will organize documents based on themes, and then she creates a tidy desktop by moving files to the cloud. Then she will upload photos and delete duplicates. And then she will uninstall used apps. She will then back up her documents and then she will empty her trash folder. So those are kind of her main steps in her checklist. As I said, she explains each of those steps in the article that I'll link in the show notes. On the point of uninstalling used apps, this is another way to deal with, you know, getting your computer and your devices organized. Another article that I read suggests considering the following categories of apps when you're deciding what to keep and what to delete. So looking at messaging apps, how many of those do we have? How many do we need? So that's talking about things like Gmail, Outlook, Apple Mail, Facebook Messenger, Android Messages you know, uh, text messages of any kind. Look at those. How many of those different kinds of messaging apps do you have? And can you consolidate and use fewer of them? The second category is document creation and management. So this is like Microsoft Word or Excel, PowerPoint, Adobe Acrobat, and so on. Uh, Look at the different apps you're using and decide, do I need to, uh, am I using all of these Can I consolidate? Can I delete some of them? Third category is social media apps like Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and so on. Fourth category is video conferencing and chat apps like Slack, WhatsApp, and Zoom. Uh, Fifth category is project and task management apps like Trello, Basecamp, and Evernote. Sixth category is accounting and finance apps. And the Seventh is um, customer relationship management like Salesforce. So looking at those as part of her weekly digital cleanup, she looks at uninstalling unused apps. And this article suggests here are different categories to look at and decide whether you want to delete any of those. I wanted to also mention as part of her process, she talks about emptying the trash folder. That's kind of the last step in her weekly cleanup. And it's important to do this regularly because keeping in mind that deleted items from your computer go into your trash, they still exist on the computer and that can take up a lot of space. So it is important to empty your trash folder pretty regularly because of that to save the space on your computer, but also those items could disclose information to hackers. So if someone were to hack into your computer and you have a lot of important documents in your trash, they can access those and and could get some information from those materials that you wouldn't want them to have. So just some things to think about. So that's uh, digital file management. One thing that several 
articles that I looked at recommended was that we consider a general digital declutter in our life. And one article described it this way, a digital declutter is an audit of one's entire digital life, followed by removing or reorganizing everything into a simpler, more secure, and more backed up system. And just like in your physical life, it's easier to be organized if you have less stuff. So I liked this idea of a digital declutter, and it's something I'm going to kind of implement in the this summer while I've got some time to go through all the various areas of my digital life one at a time and think about how can I remove things? How can I have less stuff to organize in the first place and then get those things organized? The benefits of doing a digital declutter are manifold. In fact, one article lists seven benefits. It speeds up your devices. It boosts your efficiency. You're spending less time looking for things and, you know, trying to get past the things that don't matter anymore. It improves your focus and concentration, reduces stress and frustration, builds your confidence, gives you back emotional energy, and helps you prioritize tasks. And that same article that lists and describes these seven benefits also lists and explains basically eight steps to completing a digital declutter. And I'm not going to list all of them, but the article is linked in the show notes. But among the steps that this one talks about and several other articles recommended some of these same things. The first one, every one of these resources talked about was to back everything up before you start deleting. So whether you use Backblaze or some other sort of backup, make sure you've backed up everything before you start deleting files, just in case you accidentally delete something that you realize later you need. So first step is to back up everything Second is to delete what you don't need. And this article says, start with things like promotional holiday emails, spam, apps you don't use, or even Facebook friends with whom you no longer speak. Then the article says, move on to photos and videos that you've already backed up on a hard drive or the cloud. Last, get rid of any obsolete documents and files, outdated software, programs you no longer use, and anything else standing between you and a decluttered digital space. You know, it's you're going kind of through everything, removing things that you don't use that are just cluttering up your mind and your space. This uh, article recommends choosing a web browser that lets you erase history, cookies, and cached images and files and so on. So do that as part of this digital declutter. And uh, another step in this article is to move mobile apps into folders to kind of clear up your home screens on your phone and your tablets. So basic digital decluttering techniques include regularly cleaning up your desktop your computer desktop and downloads folders, uh, deleting any unused browser extensions and bookmarks, deleting or archiving old unnecessary files, emptying the recycle bin or trash bin on your device, as we've talked about, reviewing and cleaning up your cloud storage periodically. So whether you're using Dropbox or OneDrive or Google Drive or whatever it is, remember to go in there and and review that, clean it up, delete things that don't matter, make sure things are organized. There are so many um, benefits, as we talked about, of a clean and organized digital space that really mirror the benefits of having a 
a clean and organized physical space. I wanted to just briefly touch before we wrap this up on the importance of online security in terms of getting our digital organized life. It is so important to be thinking about online security. There are people whose sole job in life is trying to get at your private and personal information to hack computers, hack devices, steal identities and all that sort of thing. So it becomes very, very important to pay attention to online security. And we've talked about this in the past, so I'm not going to belabor it at this point, but I did want to just make sure I mentioned it in this context of organizing our digital life. Having well thought out, well chosen passwords for every account. Remember, we talk about them being um, complex and unique passwords. Every important account that you have online should have a different password from any other account, and it needs to be a complex one, not a word, not your birthday, not your children's names, nothing that anybody could figure out from looking at your personal information, a a complex password that is securely stored. So using a password management tool is so valuable because we can't remember multiple long complex passwords. So as I've said before, I use LastPass. There are others, many people recommend 1Password and there are so many others. I'll try to remember to put a a link to a recent article that kind of reviews the different password management tools so you can get some ideas for one to choose if you're not using one already. The value of these is your passwords are stored in a vault Most of these password managers can generate really complex passwords for each new account that you have, and then it saves it in a very secure vault. So the only password you need to remember is the one for your password manager. And most of them have extensions for the common browsers so that when you are logging in, it will automatically and securely insert the password when you go to log into your account. So you don't have to remember it. You don't have to go look it up and cut and paste it. It will just do it for you. So if you are not already using a password management tool, I strongly encourage you to do that because it helps you to use, as I said, complex and unique passwords to protect your online information. And change passwords periodically as well. And and a password manager will help you do that. In addition to uh, organizing and using and securely storing passwords, remember to regularly update your software and your apps, the ones you haven't deleted, the ones you are still using, to update them regularly. Software developers release updates with security patches as well as cleaning up bugs and things. So you want to have the most current version of your software on your devices. That's not as much an issue of organizing, or it's not so much about organizing your digital life, but keeping it secure when you've done that. So I, I wanted to mention that before we left. So just like physical clutter, digital clutter is in the eye of the beholder. No one says you have to get rid of anything that's useful or meaningful to you on your computer or your smartphone or your tablet or wherever. But also just like physical clutter, digital clutter can distract you, it can impair your productivity, it can create anxiety, 
all of which can be improved by simply giving some time and thought to first decluttering and then organizing your digital life. I've talked about just a couple of areas here where I think we can all make progress and would benefit from doing so. But there are more ideas and checklists, as I've mentioned, linked in the show notes for this episode. So definitely check those out. These are just a few of my thoughts on this. I'd love to know what you think. Which area of your digital life gives you the most headaches? And what steps will you take this week to get better organized so that you get all those benefits that we talked about? I'd love to hear your thoughts. You can share your ideas, your thoughts, your questions in the comments section of the show notes for this episode, which you will find at theproductivewoman.com slash 449. That's also where you will find links to a bunch of resources that you can look at to get more information, more ideas, and uh, more tips for getting your digital life organized. You can also post a comment or question on the Productive Woman Facebook page, or if you're a member of the Productive Woman Community Facebook group, that's a great place where we can encourage each other, maybe find a, 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 an organizing buddy to help keep you motivated. As always, if you prefer to share your thoughts with me privately, you can email those questions, comments, or suggestions to me at feedback at theproductivewoman.com, and I'd love to hear from you. And that is it for this episode of The Productive Woman. As always, thank you so much for spending this time with me today. I hope you felt like it was worthwhile. I hope you got some ideas, some tools, some motivation to take some steps in your own life. I look forward to talking with you again very soon. So until next time, remember, extend grace to each other and to yourself and go make your life matter. Mm-hmm.